All right, I got a word for you. Hannah, earlier we were counting, working with the drum, and she said, man, it reminds me like back to Sesame Street. So the count, well now we got a word for you. And I will get back to this word in a moment and see if I can do this thing. There we go, that'll work. That all makes sense later. First, let me tell you a story. It's about a guy named Lazarus. Now, there's two Lazaruses mentioned in the New Testament. Um, the most famous Lazarus rose from the dead. He also had two famous sisters, Martha and Mary. Mary was Lazarus's sister. She's the one that wiped Jesus' uh, feet with her hair. So a lot of people don't realize it's this same person in the two stories. Uh, we know that Lazarus, Jesus, Martha, and Mary were friends. They were close to one another. So Jesus loved Lazarus. They were buddies. And Lazarus got horribly ill. So they figured, hey, <laughs> we're friends with Jesus. He's not in town right now. We'll just send for him. And we've got this thing covered. We don't have to worry about it. So Jesus was asked to come and heal his friend Lazarus. But he didn't come. And he's getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And finally, he dies. And Jesus doesn't come. Four days after he's dead, Jesus comes to town. And Martha and Mary were like, Now, this is, none of this is in the Bible. I'm just giving you my take on the story. I thought we were friends. I thought you loved Lazarus. We sent for you, and you didn't come. Why? Why wouldn't you come and heal your friend? What's it mean to be your friend? What's going on? I don't understand. You know, not much has changed in 2,000 years. I've asked those questions of God when I've prayed for people to be healed. I thought we were friends. I thought you loved this person. Why didn't you heal him? And sometimes they die. And yet sometimes I have prayed for people and they get healed, miraculously healed. I've seen miracles. And it's like, sometimes it's like, hello, is this thing on? Hello? And other times it's like, boom, I pray and it's done. God works in mysterious ways. This is one of those instances, though, I wanted to point out to you, especially because they were friends. Lazarus was terminally ill. They asked Jesus to heal Lazarus, and La Jesus ignored them. They didn't even say no, just ignored him. And Lazarus is dead. They hold the funeral. They bury him. Jesus doesn't even show up for the funeral. You got the feel of the story? I mean, and you just don't not show up at your friend's funeral. That's just like, what? You know, you know what I'm saying. So Jesus comes there four days later, and the entire, I mean, there's a huge bunch of people there, what they say in, in Jewish, uh, sitting shiva. That's when you sit with the family and grieve with them, uh, usually for, for a solid week. And so when Jesus gets there, it's the fourth day, and there's a whole bunch of people comforting Martha and Mary, everybody's sad. Jesus shows up, and this is where I pick up in this story. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out, to meet him, went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, 
Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I do believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Wow. Have you ever thought this or heard somebody say, oh, they went too young. They died before their time. Well, one thing I know is nobody dies before their time. They die exactly when God wants them to die. We forget sometimes because of our, emo our emotions that God's in charge and God knows what he's doing. And it might be sad to us. In this story of, of Martha and Mary, you get the sense that Martha's thinking, oh, Jesus, you're four days too late. If you'd only been here on time, you wouldn't have died. She still doesn't understand exactly who Jesus is because... That means nothing. So he's four days, so, so he's dead. So what? That means nothing to Jesus. Life, death, boom, nothing. It reminds me of the story of Abraham, which becomes popular during this time of year in Jewish circles. Uh, God tells Abraham to take his only son and, and to execute him, to offer him up as a sacrifice. But God also said he was going to have many descendants through Isaac. So Abraham's thinking, if I sacrifice him, God's going to have to raise him from the dead because God made promise. So Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son. Of course, he never did, but he's willing to because he understood who God was and knew God couldn't break his word. So he figured, well, I'm going to kill my son. He's going to be alive again in time, so what's the big deal? Lazarus is dead. Jesus is here. What's the big deal? If Jesus wants him alive, he'll be alive. It's not, it's not beyond him. But all of this story, which you read this week, if you're reading through the Bible with us, all of the story to get to another point that I want to make this morning. What happens to people after they die? That's what I want to talk about. And I specifically want to talk about this topic uh, and address one piece of it. Basically, you get three beliefs. If you were to run into the person on the street and say, what happens after you die? The typical person would say, nothing. It's done. It's all over. They would say, there is no afterlife. That's your typical person on the street. The typical Christian... There's two answers. The most common is, if you believe in Jesus, you go to see him. And if you don't, you go to hell. And yet there's a third one, which is known as soul sleep. That after a believer dies, they go like asleep. Their spirit sleeps. It becomes unconscious until the resurrection when they wake up. So I want to talk about those three views and let you know which one I stick with. So, on this faith one... If you believe, as most Christians believe, you believe that after you die, if you're a believer in Jesus, you go to be with Jesus. You go to heaven. You're happy. It's a good place to be. Who doesn't want to go to heaven? But you believe this, you believe it on faith. I mean, you don't know. You've never been there. You don't have any empirical evidence that when you die, you're going to be with Jesus. You just trust the Bible. You have faith that you'll go to heaven because Jesus said, in the Bible, that if you believe in him, you'll go to heaven. So you, you believe that on faith. Now, the typical guy in the street doesn't believe in heaven. 
Say, where do you go when you die? Typical guy, typical guy in the street says, nowhere. You cease to exist. But what I want you to understand is he takes that on faith. He doesn't know he ceases to exist any more than you know you go to heaven. You believe you go to heaven? He believes you go nowhere. You cease to exist. But how does he know? Does he have any empirical evidence? No. So what I'm trying to tell you is everybody has faith. Faith is everywhere. Everybody's got faith. The question is, what do you have faith in? I believe that the Bible contains spiritual truth. It contains the word of Jesus who said, I'll go to heaven. Abraham believed it. Moses believed it. David believed it. Jesus believed it. Peter believed it. I'm in good company. What do you base your faith on? Just your opinion. That's it. It's simply an opinion. And it's even less than an opinion. By the way, an opinion based on no knowledge is kind of, well, naive to say the least. I believe there's a mountain of chocolate on the dark side of the moon. Based on what? I just believe it. Can't prove me wrong. Can't prove me right. Must be there. It's the same idea. You don't know. You have absolutely no experience whatsoever. And so it's just a belief. But I said it was less than a belief because Jesus, Peter, Moses, Paul, all these guys said there's an afterlife. And Jesus even claimed to come from there. So this is evidence for heaven. So there's lots of evidence for heaven, but no evidence for non-existence. None at all. Okay? So to me, logic and philosophy dictate there's evidence for a belief in the afterlife. There is zero evidence for a belief in no afterlife. So then we get to the Christian perspective. You either die and go straight to heaven or hell, or you die and your soul goes asleep until the resurrection. The word sleep in association with death occurs throughout the Bible. That's why people call it soul sleep. They're using that word sleep from the Bible. Um, for example, let me give you examples from the Old and New Testaments. 1 Kings 2.10 says this. So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. 1 Kings 11, his son. And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David, his father. And Rehoboam, his son, reigned. And then 1 Kings 14. And the days which Jeroboam reigned were 20 and 2 years, and he slept with his fathers. So this idea of going to sleep is quite biblical. That is, the word is biblical. But is it the soul going to sleep? Or is it the body going to sleep? When somebody dies, they lay down and they stop moving. It looks like they're sleeping. I mean, they don't really look like they're sleeping. You get a close look and you know something doesn't look right. I don't know if you've ever seen a dead person. And I don't mean at a wake or a funeral. I mean, just shortly after they died, you can tell right away. They don't look normal. Something's missing. Something's not right. But in repose, they look like they're asleep. So I think the word sleep doesn't refer to the soul. It refers to the body. It's a euphemism for death. When we talk about somebody dying in our culture today, we don't usually say die. Like, oh, man, I heard, I heard your, your mom died. We don't say that. We hear, oh, I heard your mom passed away. We say passed away. Why do we say passed away? Because it's gentler. Even the word death bothers us. It hurts us. It, it scares us. It offends us. We don't like to talk. Hey, your dad dead? It's just too crass. Oh, did your dad pass away? Pass away is smoother. But what does it mean? It means dead. It's just a nicer way of saying it. 
oh, I hear he fell asleep. Well, what does that mean? His soul slept? No, it just means dead. It's just a nicer way of saying it. Sleep in the Bible is a euphemism for dead, for pass away. Not simply my opinion. The Bible makes this quite clear. Listen to Jesus in John chapter 11. So Jesus is with his disciples when the messenger comes from Martha and Mary and says, Lazarus is sick, please come heal him. So Jesus spends days with them, and then he talks to his disciples, and here's what he says. Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there and wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. They think, you know. So Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So they told him plainly, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So it's very obvious that sleep here is a euphemism for death. Jesus had been speaking of his death, quote, end quote. Jesus had been speaking of his death. Then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So when he said Lazarus is sleeping, he wasn't referring to his soul. He was just saying Lazarus died. Now, after death, what happens to a believer? Now, I've taught on this in the past. And I'm not going to go into the part because it's different. Before Jesus rose from the dead, when a believer died, they didn't go to heaven. They went to paradise. And when a non-believer died, they went to Hades. And after Jesus rose from the dead, when a believer dies, they go straight to heaven with Jesus. And the non-believer still goes to Hades, also known as hell. How do I know that a believer, when he dies, goes to heaven and doesn't go to sleep? Besides sleep being a euphemism, is there any more? There is more. Philippians 1, listen to what it says in verses 21 through 24. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. If I live, it will be for Christ. And if I die, I will gain even more. I don't know what to choose. I could keep on living and doing something useful. It's a hard choice to make. I want to die and be with Christ, because that would be much better. But I know that all of you still need me. And that's why I'm sure I will stay on and help you grow and be happy in your faith. It's very obvious what the Apostle Paul believed. He believed that the moment he died, he would be with Christ, and it's better than living, better to die and be with Christ than to be alive and be without Christ. But he also knew that while he was here, he had a job to do. He could help people. He could minister to people. And so he thought, you know, it's better if I hang around as long as I'm needed. I pray like that myself a lot. God, life sucks. Don't like the planet Earth. Don't like how everybody hurts each other and how everybody's sad and how people are depressed and discouraged. I don't like cancer. I don't like war. I don't like child abuse. Life sucks. I can't wait to go to heaven. You can take me right now. I don't need to live till I'm 85, 95 years old. Take me now. But, you know, if I'm doing something good here, if there's use, if I'm bearing fruit, you know, if my family needs me, if the church needs me, I'll stay. But if the day comes when I'm not bearing fruit, or if I'm kidding myself and just blowing air, please just take me home. Well, why be here unless I'm doing something useful? That's pretty much what Paul was saying. You know what? I'd rather go to heaven and be with Jesus, but if I got something good to do, I'll stay. See, in Paul's mind, there was no soul sleep. It was either be here without the Lord or die and be there with the Lord. Uh, also in 2 Corinthians, same idea. Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So for the believer, there are two options. 
here away from God or dead and with God. There's no intermediate state. There's no indefinite time of sleep waiting for the resurrection. That's a misunderstanding of the word sleep, which is a euphemism for death. I told you Paul taught quite plainly that the believer goes to heaven. What about the unbeliever? Let me give you a passage that talks about the unbeliever. Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read a story to you that Jesus told. Now, a lot of people, those who believe in the soul sleep especially, think this is a parable and not a true story. I don't believe it's a parable for three reasons. First of all, more often than not, or at least a lot of the time, when Jesus told a parable, he told us it was a parable. <laughs> and he spoke a parable to them, and he said, the kingdom of heaven is like... And he went on and told the story. So this, he didn't say this was a parable at all. So that's my first piece of evidence that I don't believe it's a parable. Second piece of evidence, you look at all the parables Jesus told, he never mentioned anybody by name, which makes sense because they're not true stories. How can anybody in there have a name? He would say there were ten virgins, or there was a certain man who found a treasure, hid in a field, or there's this woman who lost a coin. They, they don't have names. They're not real people. <laughs> they're just so-and-so. But in this story, he talks about real people named specifically Lazarus. And I don't think it's the same Lazarus. This is about a guy named Lazarus who dies. But the reason I don't think it's the same Lazarus is because it says this Lazarus was poor and he was a beggar and he was sick and nobody took care of him. Uh, he had Martha, he had Mary. There's no indication that he was ever poor or, or sick. Well, he was sick and he died, but other than that, there's no indication. So I don't think it's the same Lazarus. But anyway, it doesn't say it's a parable. It, there's a specific person mentioned by name. And thirdly, the story is about somebody dying and going to Hades and paradise. One guy goes to Hades, one guy goes to paradise. Hell, paradise. And they have a conversation there. Now, if soul sleep was true, Jesus couldn't tell a story about somebody dying and having a conversation with somebody because that would be bad theology. He'd be talking about somebody conscious after their death. Well, how could he do that if everybody knows you're not conscious after death? That would be bad, bad doctrine. So for those three reasons, I'm very confident this is not a parable. It's a true story that Jesus tells. Let me read it to you. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water to cool my tongue. I'm in pain because of this fire. It's agonizing. Well, I'm going to stop yelling now, but he said he was far away. <laughs> so I wanted to give you the point. <laughs> Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. Now he's comforted here, and you're in agony here. Besides all this, between us, you see a great chasm. 
Nobody can pass over from one side to the other. So he was yelling. In my mind, I picture the Grand Canyon. And on one side is paradise, and on the other side is hell. But in the Grand Canyon scenario, really, the top is paradise, and the bottom is hell. <laughs> Trees, cool temperature, deer prancing through the woods on the top. On the bottom, it's 105 degrees. Not pleasant. So you can't come over here, we can't go over there. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they'll not come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They have the Bible. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And he said to him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, if they don't pay any attention to the Bible... They're not going to be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So here's the ground we covered this morning. First of all, there is life after death. The soul, number two, doesn't sleep. Sleep is just an expression. It's a euphemism referring to death. Three, believers are immediately with God when they die. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And fourthly, non-believers descend to hell or Hades as soon as they die. But there was something that Jesus said to that rich guy, that formerly rich guy. Verse 31. He said to him, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. You know, on the surface, you would think if somebody rose from the dead, everybody would listen to him. All right, you can understand, again, on the surface, why somebody wouldn't, read the, wouldn't trust the Bible. Ah, oh, it's just a book. It was written by man. Da, 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 da. It's just a book. But, if, you know, I'm at a funeral, and somebody gets up and said, they saw heaven, they saw hell. You'd listen to them. You'd think. Lazarus rose from the dead. That's how the story finishes up. Jesus says, Lazarus, come on out of there. Okay, so here's what happened. Jesus goes. He talks to Martha and Mary. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Let's go to the grave. So they go to the grave, and he says, roll away the stone. And Martha's like, whoa, if we roll away the stone, it's going to stink. It's, he's been dead four days. That's not good, rolling away the stone. Jesus said, roll away the stone. So he rolls away the stone. The stench of death comes out. And Jesus sticks his head into the cave and says, Lazarus, come on out. That's it. That's all it took. No incantation. No mystical anything, no mumbo-jumbo, no moonlight. Just, Lazarus, get out of there. And Lazarus, next thing you know it, I'm sure the people are peeking in. And all of a sudden, Lazarus is probably wrapped up in white linen cloths, and he starts to wriggle. Because, you know, he's laying down in a slot in the rock. I've seen several of these tombs. That's what they look like. And chances are he's in there tight. And then he starts to wiggle him way out. Now, you're watching this. A second ago, the tomb stank, and now there's a dead guy who's jumping at you. I wonder if some people just turned around screaming and ran. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Martha's probably like, <laughs> you know, unwrap him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They unwrap him, and there he is, looking great, not looking sick anymore, not looking dead. And he says, I'm hungry. Let's go get something to eat. 
This doesn't happen every day, people. They were all freaking out. It says because of this that many in the crowd believed in Jesus. Of course! But it also said some in the crowd went and tattled to the high priests. What? They went and tattled. You see what he did? Now everybody's going to believe in him. And the high priest said, you know, you're right. We better kill Lazarus. They conspired to kill Lazarus. Why? Because he went around telling everybody he was dead and Jesus rose him to life. And everybody was believing in Jesus and they didn't want anybody to believe in Jesus. So they figured if they killed Lazarus, nobody would believe in Jesus. I'm thinking that is so funny and stupid all at the same time. He just rose him from the dead. You think you can kill him? He's been there, done that. It wouldn't work anyway. But people don't think that way. My point is, there were people who believed because he rose from the dead, but there were people who didn't. Now, jump forward. Jesus dies. He's buried. He rises from the dead. There were soldiers guarding his tomb so nobody could come and steal his body and claim that he rose from the dead. And when the angel rolled the stone away, they all fainted away. Jesus resurrected. Jesus left the tomb. The guys run to the high priest, and they tattle. And the priest says, you know what? We can't have anybody believe in this. This is nonsense. Here, here's a bag of money. We'll make sure you don't get in trouble with the other authorities. Don't tell anybody. Just say you fell asleep and the disciple stole his body. Okay, we'll do that. It's interesting. Jesus said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And that's exactly what happened on two separate occasions. Jesus gives his stamp of approval to the Bible as being the primary witness and authority for things spiritual. Even over somebody rising from the dead. So, let me ask you a couple questions. Do you believe in life after death? Do you believe the Bible is the final authority on this topic? And most importantly, will you trust Jesus to take you to heaven? Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we believe. Just like we sang this morning before we got to the sermon, we believe in God the Father, we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in the resurrection and that he's coming back again. We believe. But there are people that still don't believe. Lord, what can we do to help them believe? Would you please show us and inspire us with your Holy Spirit to help them? Because we want to see a big smiley face on them in the afterlife, not the big frown. Amen.